Law enforcement suicides are at an all-time high right now. One of the causes is poor leadership within the law enforcement profession. Nick, the host of the Roll Call Room podcast, has written a book, Police Mental Barricade, A Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. This book is a raw and powerful look into suicide and how poor leadership decisions contribute to law enforcement suicides. Buy the book now at mentalhealthbarricade.com and stop the stigma. The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast, the podcast that pissed shitbag Steve's off and fucked over my dad. And now your host and my daddy, Nick. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another wonderful episode of the Roll Call Room podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me is my co-host. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) What's up, Mike? Hey, what's up, pal? What's going on? Uh, I love that opening, bro. I really love it. 
It's fucking great. I love it. I love it. I love it. Have people started doing that to you yet? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, let me just give a shout out to uh, some of the guys that uh, that listen. Um, they know who they are. You guys rock. You guys are holding it down. You guys make me laugh when I walk by. And you just say shit from the podcast. I just stop and laugh. Makes you laugh, so, right? Yeah. You guys, you guys are the best. Um, so this is the opening to a show. We very rarely do this. Uh, and we believe in full transparency in the roll call room podcast. Uh, we very rarely do the opening last. So typically what we do is we come in here, we do the opening and then we have our guests on and then it kind of sinks. And, uh, this is one of those rare moments where we did an opening and then we had our guests on, which is the episode that you're going to listen to called Shots Fired, uh, which is a phenomenal episode. Mike and I will get into that in a minute. Um, and the opening was going fantastic. It was going well. Well, first, uh, you forgot to hit record. Let's start off. <laughs> yeah. Let's start maybe off with that. Yeah. Maybe that was the first sign that things were going downhill was that I forgot to hit record. Uh, and we only lost like a couple of minutes. Like we didn't lose like 30 minutes, like my former co-host and I used to lose. Um, and I may have, I may have gone on a tangent that could or could not possibly result in negative litigation directed at me. Tangent? I I felt I was scared after that. Well, you text me in the middle of my rant, and um, yeah, I was like, "Calm the fuck down." Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> And um, then I played it like I always listen to these episodes after we record them because I'm always looking for things I got to cut out and, you know, editing and stuff. And um, I listened to it the first time and I was like, no, I'll stand behind that. No, I'll, sta- I'll stand behind my statements. And then the third time I listened to it, I was like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> uh, it felt good saying it, but probably with what's going on behind the scenes not so good not so good uh, it'll be one of those moments where you say it and then you're like fuck i shouldn't have said that so thank you uh mike for being my censor my fcc did you save it though do we still have it oh, oh i have oh, yeah so so maybe maybe once everything is uh once, over, we can yeah. we could throw that out yes you know where i'm going with it because yep. it was such fire um the long and short of it is, folks, that there is a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes and a lot of things are being brought to light. Finally, things take time. And unfortunately, I don't have patience, but thankfully, rights are being made wrong or no wrongs are made, being made right. And um, I'm feeling very vindicated lately. So I'll leave it at that. Right, Mike? Am I doing good? That sounds good. I just want to I just want to point out that. um Hold on. Let me just finish this. I, I keep notes uh, every time we do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put the date and I put opening for shots fired. And then I put reason because Nick fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so just so we know. Just so yeah. We know. Yeah. So, um, so folks, this episode, um, this was something that was in the works for quite a while. Uh, These two folks, these two guys are fans of the show. They've been listening to the show from the beginning. Uh, Great guys. They reached out to me right after I was pushed out of my department. 
uh, great, great guys really cheered me up, um, made me feel really good on a day that I was really, really down. So I tell them that in the interview, you'll hear it. Um, and they said, Hey, you know, uh, we were involved in an officer involved shooting. And that was something that we never tackled, like on the show, you and I, like in the history of roll call Rome, 58 episodes, we've never tackled, uh, shots fired. And they were like, they called me up and it was Neil and Bob, not their real names, but hilarious. Um, they called me up before and they were like, listen, you want to talk about the episode before we come on? And I said, sure, just tell me what you want to stay away from. And these are my recommendations to you because police departments are firing people left and right for saying, you know, anything. Um, so we need to protect your identity and yada, yada, yada. So like, well, let, let me tell you the story, the shooting story. And I said, no, 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 no. Stop right there. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear the story. I don't want to know the story. I want to hear the story when you tell the audience the story. Um, so it was kind of cool that the first time the audience hears it uh, is the first time you and I heard it. And I don't know about you during this interview. Um, I was at the edge of my seat because it just it, it, it unveils exactly how it happens in our everyday life. It's not like the movies. Yeah, and and you're gonna, when you guys listening, wherever you guys listen at home in your, in your cruiser, you guys are gonna sit there and you're gonna just envision, and, and everybody's been on these types of jobs, but you're just gonna start like, uh, I can't tell you. I mean, the, that interview was 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 one of my favorites. Um, they just we can relate. Yeah, you know, and, and it's like. I, I, there's nothing you can say. It was just, it was just a real good episode. And, and folks, when you listen to this, listen, especially if you're brand new to this profession, listen to what Neil says about slowing the fuck down, slow down. Uh, and this is a SWAT guy that told him while they were searching for, for the suspect, slow down. And that's something I would tell my rookies all the time when I would field train, slow down, be methodical. Um, these two guys did a phenomenal job coming on very, very brave souls. Um, I'd venture to say Mike part two. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it would be. Absolutely. So folks, normally we don't do uh, over an hour of an episode. I mean, that, that's like Joe Rogan style where he does like two hours, uh, or Jocko does like fucking three, four hours of a podcast. And, and I love both of them to death, but we try and keep it short for you guys. Um, you know, because we know that you commute and you listen and so on and so forth. But there was just no way of cutting this up to making it two parts. There's just no way. And that being said, Mike, I had to deal with four people on this um, squad cast, which proud to say is a new sponsor of the Roll Call Room. Um, I love Squadcast. Love yeah. it. Lo thank you, Squadcast. It was not your fault. Thank you for sponsoring us. I appreciate it not Squadcast's fault. Um, so what Squadcast does is, is it records everybody's audio individually. So Mike's audio is being recorded individually from my audio. Then at the end, when I hit stop, I mesh the, the two together. Now I want you folks to envision four guests on. Okay, so it's four files, four audio files that have to be mixed together. Okay, we would start doing this interview and Neil would drop off. We would lose Neil. Okay. We'd have to stop all audio. Okay. 
then we would start up again and then Bob would drop off and we'd have to stop the recording and then start again. And then Mike would drop off and then Bob and then Neil and then Mike and then Bob and then Neil. And this went on folks for over a fucking hour. Right. (laughs) And I got, well, I didn't go out. My fucking, I had a FaceTime call. My girl calls me, uh, like it fucking shuts off and I'm like, Oh shit, they can hear it. I'm trying to switch off. And then all of a sudden I lose the session and, <laughs> and I get back on the look bro on your face is like, are you fucking kidding me? Are Cause you it was like the sixth time at that point. And then when you folks listen to this episode, you're going to die laughing, laugh. Now you're going to die laugh, laughing, but it wasn't at the time. Like one of the two guys, like Bob or Neil, I don't know who it was, had like a UPS delivery guy pull up to the house. They were both. I mean, you'll hear it. They they both were uh, were outside, which is cool because it's it's dogs barking. Oh, it's great. Well, yeah, I was my dog. At one point, I swear to God, I I thought I heard a pterodactyl flying in the background. (laughs) And so this interview ends and these three jokers just they lock off and they go on with their fucking lives. Right. Me, I have to figure out which four files mesh together. And what makes it worse is when things go right, like Mike's file is five minutes, right? My file is five minutes. So I know that those two match up, put them together. That's one file, right? But because they dropped off at different times, Mike was five minutes. I was four minutes and 50 seconds. Neil was four four minutes and 45 seconds. It took me folks. It took me four fucking hours to edit this episode. So I hope that doesn't sway your love for this episode in any way. Yeah, but it's raw. It's raw. It's, it's raw and uncut. My it's, it, it's listen in a perfect world. It, 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 it'll be fine. Yeah. But you know what? I ain't perfect. You're not perfect. Yeah. It was funny though. Funny. Now I can laugh at it. I listen. I listened to it today when I went to Target and I was walking around Target and I was just, di- I was dying because I can tell the little spots where it dropped off and you can hear, you can fucking hear where, um, where things just like start back up, which is fucking hilarious. And then, and then just the look on your face, you know, the look like when, when somebody's cam froze and then you're just like, you know, you're like, Oh my God. And then, and then such and such fuck. And we're like, what? Not recording. Yeah. At one, at, at finally, when it started, when it, when it kept happening, I just laid my forehead on my microphone and started hitting your head. And I just started hitting my head on the microphone. And I was like, I give up. I just give up. But folks, I hope that you sit back and you enjoy this episode. Um, n- not from the comedic part. Um, there is a very funny part at the end. That's very funny. Uh, we try and uh, leave it on a high note. Um, I think you're going to enjoy this episode because it's extremely um, educational. If you're in law enforcement, especially with what's going on um, uh, in the media and, and you know, when there's an officer involved shooting. So, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Mike and I had a f- fantastic time recording it for you, and uh, we hope you like it. Mike? Neil, yeah, Neil and Bob, and they they were really down to earth. I would love to roll around in a, in a sector um, oh, hands w- with them. Um, good guys. They're funny. They're down to earth. You know, and, and 
we better have them on the show again. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do part two. Um, when we close out uh, and we go into um, the episode, I just want to say a couple of shout outs. I want to thank Peacemaker Coffee Company. Uh, we love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Salty Dogs Apparel. Keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, if you're not a Patreon supporter, you need to join. You get some great new stuff. Uh, Patreon actually got 10 minutes of this audio first before anybody else. So they got the new episode, uh, 10 minutes of it before. Uh, you can email, email me at nick at rollcallroom.com or mike at rollcallroom.com. But stay tuned for Shots Fired and enjoy. I'll be the bad guy now. But no, I ain't too proud. I couldn't be there. Even when I tried. You don't believe it. We do this every time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in from break. I appreciate it. Uh, we are back. Mike, can you please put your shirt back on? That is not the song for you to strip to. Shit. Please do it. it. And um, after this episode, I'd really like to talk to you how that third nipple happened. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce two people um, really excited. This has been something that we've been planning for quite a while uh, with schedules and then um, COVID and then uh, the riots and then Carol Baskin. This thing has just been prolonged. Um, and then Joe Exotic happened and then Mike got a rash and it was touch and go. So I'm so stoked. Uh, with me is Neil and Bob. Um, they are two officers uh, that were involved in an officer-involved shooting in October. Uh, they work for an agency in Colorado. Um, and I felt that it was necessary for a couple of reasons to have them on. One, we've never had a guest on or guests on that have been involved in an officer-involved shooting. And the second thing is, is it's very interesting when I talk to these, these guys, which they were fans of the show before they came on, super awesome guys. When I lost my job or when I left my job, these guys called me. Um, I think you guys had me on speakerphone. You guys don't know this. It was probably one of the lowest points. I was having a real, real hard time. I was struggling really hard. And uh, when you guys called me, you really, really helped me through a really, really tough time. And we sat on the phone. must have been about an hour. And I got off the phone and I felt tremendously better. Because, um, I just... I felt like I, I didn't uh, I didn't have my show. I didn't lose my career for this show for nothing. So I wanted to thank you guys for that. You, it means the world to me. Um, and I appreciate it. Oh, thank it. you, Nick. We, uh, man, I, we, we, we appreciate you and, and you know, what, what you're doing for all of us out here, man. I mean, morale's at an all time low and, and dude, I'm telling you what, man, a game changer for sure. I appreciate it, man. Um, wait till you, uh, wait till you see the book that comes out. It is, um, if this podcast made commanders heads explode, that book, 
Um, that book is going to revolutionize the way that command staff looks at mental health. Um, and um, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I'm telling you, um, my oldest daughter read the first three chapters and had to stop reading it because she was crying hysterically. Um, so if it could happen to me and an agency can do what they did to me, they can do it to anybody. So, uh, so I veered off. So the only reason why I wanted to have these guys on is, is they were involved in an officer-involved shooting. And it's in- interesting because a lot of times officer-involved shootings uh, will happen with two or more officers. And it's interesting to see the perspective of both of them because they both have different thought price- processes or healing processes after the shooting. And when we sat on the phone and we set this episode up, I started to ask them questions about how they felt individually. And then it was, you know, it was interesting because they both had different reactions afterwards. And I know of, in my agency, we had an officer involved shooting with two officers. And one of the officers that was involved in the officer involved shooting had a real tough time with how they were struggling and the other officer was not. And almost felt like it was a weakness, like like I should be like that other officer and mirroring themselves off of that other officer. So I thought it was important for you guys to talk about that. And then also to talk about how you felt after it, whether or not you thought that we would be in another Ferguson situation after your shooting or another Baltimore, because George Floyd didn't happen at that point. So I could only go by your your the current events at the time. So I'm going to turn it over to one of you, set us up the day that it happened, what the call for service was, how did it go out? All right. Um, yeah. Like Bob was saying, man, um, Nick, we really appreciate you, dude. Like ever since we started listening to this episode or this podcast, um, it's completely changed our lives, both uh, with the job and off the job. Um, so our city, it. yeah, our city's, um, it's about 200,000 people. Mm-hmm. We have a little over 400 officers. Um, it's a department. And yeah, it, it's a big police department. And uh, at the time we had been working together for about two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we had been on some crazy events together. Um, we've been on scenes of other officer involved shootings, but we were never, uh, we never partook in the events per se, I guess. Um, so that night we were working in an area of town that we don't normally work. Uh, actually our, our car was being used as a training car. So we were kind of just being a bitch and, uh, told wherever we wanted to go. So, um, Do you guys drive two to a car or one to a car? Mostly two to a car. Okay. All right. Yeah, we have and, maybe just a few cars that are just one-man cars that are slower districts, if you will. Yeah. The, the only reason why I ask is a lot of callers out there, like in my jurisdiction, we were only one to a car. We never drove two to a car. So so it sets up the picture. So both of you are in the car together. And then what's what's what comes out? What comes over the radio? <clears throat> Yeah, so we actually aren't even in our district. We're like two districts over, probably like seven miles away. We get a call for a shooting, just point blank mm-hmm. shooting. Um, we've been to hundreds of shootings together, um, but this one was different from the very beginning. And I'll never forget 
the calls that the notes that were coming in, they just kept coming and coming and coming. Uh, it gave you a suspect information, the victim information, the caller information. I mean, it was not your normal shooting. It wasn't like a male shot in the leg. Yeah. That's it. No, this it was, was no they, they was named the victim. Um, yeah, so it was so, developing at, like as you as you would get involved, it was developing, so you can tell the difference between bullshit and not bullshit. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I I gotta say too that the the call notes were kind of like while there were so many call notes, it was still like it, it was one of those situations where you knew it was real, mm-hmm. and but you were kind of you didn't fully understand what was going on because you know in the craziness and call notes you weren't you weren't really sure. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'll tell you all cops out there that know when you get a call for service and Mike you can chime in too when you get a call for service I always love ride-alongs because when you get a call for service that pop up that pops up and you instantly go that's bullshit they look at you and they're like how, how do you know and you're just like that's just bullshit that's bullshit and they're like it, it, it says stabbing and you're like it's not it's, it's bullshit it's a bullshit dispute and then you get there and it's it's not a fucking stabbing. It's like it's like some bullshit. And then you get in the car, and they're like, "How did you know? How, what what kind of sorcery is this?" But I agree with you, which is is that when it's legit and it's real, uh, not to be corny, but your spidey senses start kicking in, and you're like, "Okay, this is some legit shit." And if it's not legit shit, I'm gonna be pissed off with myself because my 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 bullshit meter is broken. So I turn it back over to you. Yeah. So, um, we're, we're, we're going there and we actually end up getting there pretty late compared to everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, there was probably like six or seven cars already there. Mm -hmm. And when we get there, officers are already surrounding the house and so I turn it back over to you, uh, the call for service. Yeah, so we get on scene. Um, there's already six cruisers there. And uh, two officers were now speaking with the caller who ended up being the victim's sister. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, that officer did a hell of a job because, it, you know, he's a veteran and he was just getting a story and he was able to relay what was going on because he was not on scene with us. So we were able to figure out what the what the victim's sister was going was uh, talking about. So he proceeds to tell us that the caller is the sister of the victim, and her husband threatened them with a gun, marched them downstairs, and threatened to kill them, and said, "Hey, I just killed your sister. Now I'm going to kill you." So he marches them down in the basement and uh, is about to kill these two people. And they end up escaping out of the side door, running. He's shooting at them. What? And they call us and said, hey, you know, my sister's dead. Did they see the sister dead? No. No, they didn't. No. They just assumed that he was, he was accurate with his threat. Yeah. Shit. It's crazy. So you know he's in there by himself or do you do you think he's in there with somebody else? We we don't know. 
Um, okay. We have no idea. We had an open door on the side, and now we're just doing a surrounding call out. Surrounding the house, we're getting on the PA system. We're calling uh, the the suspect's name over the PA. We're not getting a response, and this goes on for for a long time. I would say over an hour until officers found the victim in the trailer in the trailer outside of the house with a bullet wound right in between the eyes. No. So let me let me set the scene of this place a little bit, okay? I mean, we have we have very many facets to our city. I mean, we have, you know, million dollar homes. We've got, you know, the ghetto if you will, and we've got like West Virginia. So, um and I'm allowed to say that because my wife's from West Virginia. So, only three people from West Virginia. anyway. So yeah. Anyway, we, uh, we th- this 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 house. It's got a it's got like a uh, a trailer up on blocks. It's got a uh, like a camper, decrepit camper over up by the side. It's got a boat in the backyard with a tree growing out the middle of it. Um, a pickup truck back there and a swimming pool that's half fallen over full of like rainwater and muck. And, you know, it's just, you know, about 15 uh, lawnmowers parked underneath this trailer where she's at. So we ended up, you know, you know, we're searching the area and we start clearing some of these outer buildings or whatever. And we go up into this trailer and I mean, she's just laying there and clearly she's been dead for a couple hours. All the blood's pooled and she's just laying, you know what I mean? She's laying there clearly. She's already been already passed. So he is. So the threat was real. Like he he actually oh, yeah. did, did murder her. So oh, now yeah. you, you still don't. You still have no idea, or do you? Who's left in the house? No. So this this side door is left wide open, and mm-hmm. um. So you know we're we, we obviously surrounded the house at this point, set up a perimeter. You know we don't know if he's there or not. Um. The officer who was talking to the the victims, uh, they. They were kind of relaying some information like, hey, this dude rides a bicycle and the bicycle is always on the side of the trailer. And if it's there, he's there. And if it's gone, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Well, th- the bike was gone. Mm-hmm. So we, um, you know, we, we we still had to assume that he was still there, though. Um, um, so. I just want to stay for the record that what you described as far as the trailer, like the the setting, is identical to my house. Like identical, <laughs> right down to the lawnmowers, the fifty lawnmowers in front of this house. I just I wanted to say that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Okay, dude, this shit's out of a movie. Like we're on a dead end street. We're surrounded by a, a river as well. We have no freaking idea where we're at because we never worked this side of town. Um, and think, dude, you think it's crazy now. Things just start getting crazier. So mm-hmm. the officers are still talking to the caller and they're like, hey, you know, if the bike's not there, he's gone. Um, mind you, now the caller's brother is out with a crossbow hunting the killer. So now we're setting up like two perimeters. <laughs> like yeah, we're we worried like about. <laughs> We got an outer circle protecting the guys guarding the house, protecting them from this guy tromping through the woods and the river and everything around them, hunting his, I guess, brother-in-law. 
with oh, a crossbow. Vigilante. Yeah, a vigilante with a crossbow. Yes, yes. You better get them before I get them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That's that's a medieval fucking weapon right there. Like yeah. that's commitment. It was personal. It that. was personal. Oh, it, oh, it's not only personal. <laughs> it's you're not gonna die quite like right away either. That's yeah, that's some fucking Cherokee Indian shit right there. Can we say Cherokee Indian? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Oh, okay. All right. Just want to make sure that wasn't on the list of shit that went out. <laughs> Go ahead, fellas. I'm sorry. You're good, dude. Um, so we laugh about it now, but our emotions were it was a roller coaster, dude. It was a freaking roller coaster. Um, because your your senses are so heightened and you're like, dude, this dude's gonna come behind me because we're still mm -hmm. doing a surrounding call out. I'm playing freaking would you rather with my partner and sergeant like, hey, would you rather fuck Hillary Clinton or fuck <laughs> Michelle Obama, you know? Like, <laughs> dude, I'm just neither. <laughs> I'm just I'm doing I don't know, we just did that's just how we were. We were just trying to get our mind off of what was going on yeah. and um now this we is going on for about yeah, hours, hours. Mind you, mind you, we had an officer involved shooting the night prior. Less, less than 12 hours. Yeah, less than 12 hours prior. Not, not us, a different yeah. officer. Yeah. Holy shit. So you have no idea where this guy is. His only mode of transportation is either walking or on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. You still don't even, have you guys breached? Do you even, have you gone in even to search? To even if he's in there, if she's inaccurate? Uh, no, no, we have not. Okay. We, we have not gone in to search for him yet. Um, we, uh, we had, it was a SWAT call out. We had just surrounded and we're waiting. SWAT was there. They were getting their plan together, what they were going to do. Um, some of the, uh, overwatch guys, the sniper team set up on a roof of a house across the street just to, to watch, see. Um, and so at this point, it's just kind of a waiting game. Um, so we're, I don't even know, we're maybe, what, maybe three, four hours in at, at this point, all of a sudden a call goes out for a, a burglary about, oh, I would say a less than a quarter mile away, um, right across the woods. So my Sergeant looks at us and goes, you two go. So we, we go hauling over there and, uh, end up getting, uh, Two of the SWAT guys were there too. End up going over with us as well. Um, so real quick, right before we leave, our sergeant's like, "Stop, stop, stop!" He shows us a picture of the dude and goes, "Hey, this is the guy. He was on the phone with our SWAT negotiator and admits to killing his wife." Uh. So this is all rapidly evolving. So obviously we weren't with the SWAT team or the negotiator, but they relayed to us that the SWAT negotiator had contact with the suspect. They knew who it was. He admits to killing his wife. So our detectives were like, hey, we're going to sign murder warrants right now. If you find him, th this is the dude. I want you to know what he looks like. And don't forget, he killed his previous wife and did eight years in prison for that. What? Yeah, bro. Yeah. Holy and gosh. and he tells the SWAT negotiator, I'm not going back to prison. Okay. All right. Well, then we we know where this is going. Um, <laughs> That's why I mean, we're here, right? Does any, of the, <laughs> does any of the supervisors or commanders think to ping the phone for 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 location? Did that ever come up? 
you know, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure if that was something they did or not. I mean, we were on the ground, so we were yeah. obviously weren't involved in those high powered decisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, as as um, <laughs> as a, a detective, you know, you got your guys on the ground, you know, guys doing their thing. And we're kind of like, you know, on the phone trying to get that warrant, trying to go up on the phone. So it's kind of, you know, and we try to relay that message to the guys on the ground. But, you know, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. So, well, know. I think what's important is, is the fact that the warrant, the warrant is there's PC for a warrant. So no matter what the interaction with this guy is, thank God you guys are protected with the fact that probable cause exists. And for our civilians, uh, probable cause basically means there's a good amount of information to believe that you're guilty as fuck for what you're being accused of. And not in the court of law, but court of law, but enough for you to go to a magistrate or DA or whatever you have and say, hey, listen, this is the facts. This, these are, this is the evidence. I want a warrant for this person's arrest and it's granted. So that's your protection. So just for our civilian listeners, they understand what that means. Um, so thankfully that happens. So you get the call for the burglary. You two guys go hit Krispy Kreme first, then you head over there. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we end up, we go over there, um, you know, and this is just the other side of basically this little river that runs right, right through there. So we, he had made it to the other side, um, still on the, still in our city, but now he's real close to the neighboring city as well. So we start, we start searching this area. We're talking to this lady and she's like, yeah, this guy was up on my enclosed porch and he was jiggling my handle and he was trying to get into the door. Um, when I asked him what he was doing, he was like, Hey, I need to use your phone. Um, you need to let me in. And she said, no, no, no. And apparently he had just left about uh, just, you know, a few minutes before we, we get over there. So, I mean, he's in the area right when we show up when we just miss him. She's lucky. He, he's lu- she's lucky he didn't kill her. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're, we're searching that area for a good amount of time, um, you know, going up and down. We're, we're in the riverbed trying to, uh, you know, see if he's just like bedded down in there or, you know, trying to, you know, just trying to do whatever we can to find this guy because we need to find him because he's, you know, before he does something else. Right. Especially the statement that he made, which is I'm not going back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, we also, we also had some canines out there, right? Mm-hmm. I know one canine officer was out there searching. Um there was a few vacant houses on this little block too. It was almost like every step you took, dude, God. it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and you're just, like I was saying earlier, your emotions were, I mean, from one extreme to another, like joking around to you're ready to joking around to eating your freaking lunch to playing on your phone. I mean, it was just, it, it, it was mentally exhausting. Um, so we end up checking the area I think the canine kind of got like a scent and then it, it led to a river if I remember correctly. And then we weren't able to pick it up and we end up going back to the scene. Okay. Mind you, this is like 7 AM, 8 AM. We both have been at work for like 13 hours. Um, I shoot a text to my wife and I'm like, Hey babe, I want you to know that something's going on at work. 
I can't talk, you know, I'll be home when I can. Because the last time I forgot to text her, it was, it was bad. Um, so yeah, we, we go, can... we That's go and yeah, yeah. So we, we go back and, um, I think the ME was on scene, right, Bob? Was the ME on scene? Bob might have left us. Boost Mobile. So yeah, the uh, the ME was there. Our crime scene unit was there, and um, you know everybody's kind of doing their thing uh, while we were across across the way searching for this dude. Um, SWAT had uh, made entry. I, I believe they actually have had some robot or something they ended up putting in there to see if he was in there. Uh, he wasn't. And then, uh, then they, you know, made entry, cleared it and he was gone. Um, you know, mind you remember that the, uh, the bike was gone as well. And the information we were receiving was that if the bike was gone, he, he was gone. So, you know, we were, we, we had put over the air, look at, you know, be looking out for this guy on this silver bike, um, you know, description, everything, you know, and, and, and he's gone. So we're, we're just sitting there at this point doing, you know, it was our district that night. So we're doing the, you know, quick report on it mm-hmm. um, and just sitting there. Um, at this point, uh, the detective and um, who else was it? I, I don't remember. Anyway, a couple of detectives had come up to us and were like, hey, um, just kind of giving us some background information on this guy. Um, and the fact that they were like, yeah, the warrants are signed. They're good. We're, 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 we're good to go. Um, our Sergeant comes up to us and is like, Hey, um, while they're finishing up at the house here, you guys need to stay. Everybody else is leaving. Cause at this point it's, it's, you know, past time to go home. So, right. And you know, day days are coming out. So, they're like, you guys are going to be basically on standby. If anything goes out, you guys are going. Um, you you said days is coming on. Yes, day shift. Day shift. So, stop and get bagels and coffee, and then <laughs> you'll be on steam. Okay. Right. Don't don't forget the newspaper. They got to get that. Got to paint the picture for everybody. <laughs> the real cops are going home. The babysitters are coming in. All right. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So we're sitting there and we're waiting, doing this, doing the, uh, doing the report. Uh, They're like, Hey, you guys, if anything goes out, you guys are going, you guys are going to be like our, like go, you know? And uh, so we're sitting there and actually a couple of the victims advocates uh, come up to us and they're kind of talking to us, trying to get some information Mm -hmm. and man, the call comes over the air. Um, it, you know, like when dispatch, like, you know, usually it's like they have, you know, for, for us, they say like our car and then we respond and then the call hmm. dispatch comes over there, over the air. And they're like one, two, three alphabet, alphabet street. He's there now. And we're just like, Oh shit. You know, like it, it's, it's here. It is. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I have to complete a 30-point turn to get out of here. <laughs> Dude, I'm blocked in by CSU trucks and freaking all these stupid 
fucking people that are in our way. And I'm mm. telling Bob, I'm like, get me there right now. I don't know where I'm going. You better get me there. How many commanders? And, All of them? I don't think it, it was a weekend. They don't fucking work on weekends. Oh, okay. We didn't establish that from the beginning. If you would have told me weekend, I, would, I wouldn't have even answered. I wouldn't even ask that fucking question, bro. I thought this was like a Wednesday or Thursday night. Like, <laughs> weekend? Forget it. It was a Saturday morning. They were Saturday all zooming. Morning. They were all zooming in or FaceTiming. <laughs> show me. Show me. Um, Go ahead. So I will never forget that call, dude. It was unlike n- nothing you've ever been dispatched to in your career. Mm-hmm. Like Bob was saying, they always tell you the car, blah, 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 blah. Now, this dispatcher freaking knew. He knew what was about to go down. And mm-hmm. like the fear of God was in his voice. It, it, it like haunt, it, it just, I'll never forget it. And I'm eating my mm-hmm. lunch. Like, I, you know, I'm so, I always go back to these emotions because that's what I always remember about the incident was like just the roller coaster. Um, so it's me and Bob and like three or four SWAT dudes and a canine Dude. officer. Two SWAT Two. dudes. Yeah. Two SWAT dudes. Two SWAT dudes. Good freaking dudes. Um, they would used to be on our shift. Awesome guys. Um, if they listen to this, I mean, we owe them everything because you'll hear in a little bit just how much they did for us. So we start going and mm-hmm. the dispatcher tells us that our suspect broke into was it his brother's house? Yes. Broke into his brother's house and had a gun. So we're t- I'm trying to give us the best tactical advantage uh, I can. And I had my rifle. I remember Bob told me when I was eating my lunch, he goes, hey, bud, put your rifle up front with you. And I'll never forget that. So I was driving with my rifle at my side, my patrol rifle. Um, and we get to the corner of this of the street where they called out. And we deploy on foot. So it's me and Bob, two SWAT guys and a canine. And we're making our way towards the house. Mm-hmm. And one of the SWAT guys sees him run out the back. And so there's a street and then the alleyway. And then there's the next street over. And this alleyway, you can drive a car through. Yeah, but before – I want to back up for just one second. Before that, as soon as we deploy on foot, there's a big excursion that backs out right where this lady's like, we can see right mid street where, where it's about to be. And there's an excursion backing out and it starts coming at us. And we're like, Oh dude, like this is it. And we, so we, st- I'll never forget this. We, we stop this car, you know, at gunpoint and, you know, and it's this lady with her two kids in there and this little kid in the back seat with all his football gear on. And he's just crying I felt I feel so bad about that. I felt so bad that they, you know what I mean? Like what a scary moment. They don't know what's going on. And here it's the neighbors leaving, you know, just one more thing ramping up your, you know, adrenaline. Yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. Neil. Um, so we start to tactfully follow this guy's flight path. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bob tells a really like when, when we tell the story to people or, when we've gone through the debrief, we had different feelings during this. Like I was with a SWAT guy and he was by himself. And the SWAT dude has been on for like 20 years. He was in an officer involved shooting. He's done hundreds of raids. Mind you, I've been on for like three years at this point. 
and I'm ready to go. And he's like, slow the frick down, dude, you know, and Bob's behind me and every corner, every fence you came up to every step you took, it was like, it was going to happen. You were going to encounter this dude. Yeah, every I mean every step, man. It was just like I, I just all I could see was my my wife and my kids. Every step, man. It was like every corner you turn, you knew this dude. It, it just I, I don't know how else to describe it other than in in your gut, you already knew how this was gonna end. You knew what this guy's intentions, you knew what his I mean, obviously we you you never want it to end that way. It it, it it's just it's it's almost an instinct that you get like when you go on even on just everyday calls you know when people are going to run you know when people are going to fight you know when you just you, you just develop that instinct that that sixth sense i don't know what it is and i i think that in this it was just you knew uh, and i don't know how, i mean you know whether it's sixth sense or you know it's god whispering in your ear like be careful did there come a point where you guys are you guys are searching for him and you guys are coming to the realization that there's a good possibility you're going to take this guy's life? Yeah. Are you are you convincing yourself in your head? Or is the thought process in your head this is where I'm at. I'm committed and and I'm ready to do this. If yes, it happens. I think that as especially once we hit that alleyway in my mind, I was like I I was like like I'm you, you need to pull that trigger if, if it comes to that yeah. point. So well, you, you said it. I mean, you said it yourself, you know, every step you think about the wife, you're thinking about your kids, you know, you're going home at the end of the, at, at the end of your shift, you know, and, and that's what we, that's what we do. You know, our end goal for the day is to go home to our family. Yeah. So go ahead, Neil. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was at, but it's, Bob and I have always talked about everything that we do in the car, no matter what kind of call we go on. That's what's so great about his, his experience. And he, we just talk about everything. So we've talked about being in shootings or encountering someone with a gun, with a warrant and a fleeing felon and everything. And, and I am so grateful. And like, I don't know if it was God, I'm, you know, I'm super into my faith and stuff like that, but you know, the training that I've been to and my military experience and the guys that I've been around, like I never had one doubt in my mind. Like I was ready to go. I was confident in my training, my ability, my partner, everything, everyone around us. I, I was, I, I could, you know, I, their lives were, or my life was in their hands and I was, I was, I was ready to, to do what we needed to do. And like Mike said, we go home. That's the biggest thing. We've always said that people ask, Bob and I like, Hey, what's your goal out here? Like, what do you guys like to do? We like to go home, bro. I mean, we like to chase bad guys and do fun things, but none of that stuff matters. We go home at the end of the day, we got wives and kids and you know, no one cares about how much dope or guns you get in your career. You know, they're not going to remember you for that. Um, they're going to remember for the person you are. And I attribute, I attribute a lot of that to you, Nick. I mean, listen, this podcast dude has changed my freaking outlook on this job and this my life and your legacy, your legacy. Like, you know, when I, when I left my agency, what my legacy was, I mean, tarnished now, but you know, 
<laughs> oh well. Uh, so so you're looking for this guy, and um, you get to the alley. So does there come a point where you guys actually encounter him? Go ahead, Bob. So no, we we don't. Um, we we we're, I mean, kind of we're frantically searching for uh, for this guy, and um, one of the SWAT guys notices like fresh footsteps in the dew in some of the grass. And where he's like, Hey, I think I got him. I think I got him in this, um, in this house here. And, and, and it's something about it was like, yeah, he might be here, but you're still kind of looking around. Um, and as we're kind of looking at this door, um, dispatch again comes over the air and they're like, well, I don't want to say the real street. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, Street. Four, 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 five, six, Soup Street, you know? And it's yeah. just like, he's there now. He's in the house. He's in there. He's in the house. And he repeats it like twice. And it's just like, holy cow. So um, at about the exact same time, the homeowner of the house comes out. The There's kind of it's like a back side door, if you will. And he comes out and he's like, hey, there's a guy in here. He's got a gun. Like, you know, so the SWAT guys go running over there. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, dude, I don't know if you remember, but I was on that street where they called out. So I'm on the street when the dispatcher calls out the location of the suspect. I'm on the street and he gives the numbers and I'm like, where the fuck are those numbers? Right. And I have my rifle and I look, Nick, I look in front of me and there's the fucking house. It's right oh, in front of me. I'm, I'm 10 feet away from this dude. And yeah. Bob is at the corner of the house and I'm in the street. So yeah, we're and, like 15 feet apart. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so as I go, I start moving to the left thinking that this guy's going to run out the back. Um, mm -hmm. Bob's standing at the corner and then two SWAT guys end up making entry into the side of the house. Shit. So what had happened was this suspect had broken in or was attempting to break into this house. He was in an enclosed porch mm -hmm. and um, the residents confronted him with a shotgun <laughs> and when the SWAT guys made entry, they locked the front door so he could not get in. Smart. Yeah. So as I'm moving and I'm scanning, I go, holy fuck, dude, he's right there. He has a gun uh -huh. and he's three, he's two feet away from Bob. I mean, not maybe one and Bob does not know this, but he needs to get a medal because he saved all of our lives because he is holding this guy at gunpoint with no cover, mm -hmm. absolutely nothing to hide behind. Mm -hmm. He's just staring at this dude, a felon with a gun while we all transition and get behind cover. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah. I mean, I was just standing there and you know, Neil's like, Oh, he's right there. He's got a gun. And I'm like, and and the way that there, you know, there was just so much crap on this front porch. You just couldn't, you know what I mean? You couldn't really see into it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you, it, you know, that 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 glowing orb was in the sky that I never see, you know, because I work midnights. So, <laughs> so we, and it's, it's shining, it's shining onto this house and um, it, the reflection was coming off. And I couldn't see. So I take just one step to the side and this dude is right in front of me, just staring into staring into my eyes. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I had a shotgun. 
I bring my shotgun up and I'm holding it on him. I'm screaming at him, you know, drop the gun, get on the ground. And these guys are all, um, I'm the only thing going through my mind is like, like I'm screwed, but hopefully I can hold them long enough. These guys can get some cover. So they all run. Um, and they're like, get cover, get cover, get cover. I looked, I looked to my left. There's a fire hydrant. I look a little bit further back to my left over my shoulder out of the corner of my eye. And there's a tree about as thick as my arm. So I'm just like, I'm like, well, there's no cover this way. So, so I just kind of, I just kind of book it back to where they're at. Um, and they're both taking cover behind this uh, stoop. Um, I should, pre- I should say that at this time, um, one of our, um, uh, the uh, deputy U S marshal that we have on our department, is out there at this point too. Now he's with us as well. Um, so we we run out, or they're uh, Lee, Neil and um, other dude are are taking cover behind there. I just book it back behind cover with them. Uh, that's the only place. All three of us are just kind of hunched down there together. Where's prospect um, gun? Low ready, pointed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it was probably. I would say generally low, low ready position. I mean, he never brought it up, um, but I definitely could, I could see him holding it in his hand and it's, and it's down. Um, So I run, take cover. We're screaming at him. We're screaming at him. And uh, (laughs) at one point I I, I look over to these two and I go, Tennessee versus Garner, right? This is a fleeing felon. We're all on the same page, right? (laughs) We're all on the same page, but he's like, yep, yep, yep. So, um, uh, yeah, man. So this dude, this, this, this was the most surreal moment I, I think I've ever been in my entire life. Um, this dude, uh, there's about five steps down to get off of the, uh, enclosed porch area and he opens the door. We're all screaming, drop the gun, drop the gun. And you know, they, you talk about these moments that you have that, that like just takes an eternity. Um, and this guy is, just taking these slow, methodical steps to each step at a time. And like, I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I've tried to describe it many different ways, but I think this is the best way is that I, like I could see the reverberations of his steps coming off uh, each step that he took. Like that's how in tune you are in that moment. If that right. makes sense. I don't know. Maybe I sound crazy. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I've, but, I've, heard of, I've heard of uh officer involved shootings where after um, you're, you're briefed, the, sh- the officers say that there was stuff being thrown at them, but it actually was the shells ejecting, but were enlarged greatly coming back at them, thinking that they were having like cans thrown at them. Wow. That's how super sensitive your, 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 um, uh, your senses are so uh, continue. Sorry. Yeah, no. And, but in this moment, we just, I mean, you can just feel it. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, we're, we're drop the gun, drop the gun, you know, like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. And mm-hmm. he said something on the step and we've all talked about it. And all of us know that he said something to us, but we don't know what he said because he just mumbled it real, like under his breath. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just a weird moment. Um, and I, I mind you during this entire time, as he's coming out and taking these steps, he's got the gun to the side of his head. Oh shit. 
Um, go ahead, Neil. Yeah. Um, remember, we got to preface and say that we positively identified the dude with the warrant. He met the description. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, we we had seen his picture. It was one hundred percent one hundred percent Tennessee Garner, <laughs> right? Yeah, the, no, um, continue. So we know it's him. He's got a gun. Bob's like fleeing felon, right? And we're we're all we're all good with it. Yeah, he he walks off those steps. Um, and I remember saying to myself, "Do it, do it, drop the gun." I'm telling myself, like, please drop the gun. You know what I'm saying? Like, my selector switch went from safe to semi. And I, I mean, I was ready. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you got to be aware of your backstop. You got to be aware of people around you. You have a rifle, so it's a lot greater velocity of a round. Like, you know, if, if you hit a house, I'm thinking about all that. Yeah. And he walks, yeah. he walks out. Mind you, because our department would fry me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're fucking stupid ass shit like this. Um, he walks out. He's got the gun to his head. We positively identify him. He continues to walk out. He ends up turning away from us and starts to walk down the street. Oof. And we're still yelling commands, drop the gun, drop the gun, don't do it, don't do it, drop the gun. Um, and And Bob is yelling at me. Tennessee versus Garner. I mean, like we're good, we're good, we're covered. Um, he ends up as soon as that, as soon as he turns around with that gun to his head. That's when uh, I engaged and uh, dropped him. Well, let me preface, or not preface. I'm sorry. Let me let me <laughs> add to that. <laughs> he turn. No, he turns, and as he's turning. He turned. I mean, just was it was so quick. He just turns right at us, and as he does, the gun starts coming down off the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in that moment, I'm just like, before that, as he's walking out, he's looking. He's looking like, what am I going to do? What avenue of escape do I have here? Where am I going to go? And he's making and you, he's making that decision. What am I going to do? Is mm-hmm. it going to be I'm going to turn? And I'm gonna take these guys on, or am I gonna try and run? And you, you knew in that moment that's what he was trying to do. You just, you, you knew that's he's looking for that avenue. He's looking, he's looking around, turning his head, looking all over, and he's like, I don't think I have a chance. This is it. This is my last stand. And he turns, and uh, so this is this is where the story. Well, we'll, we'll go. Th- I'm sorry. Let's let's so. Um, Neil puts, uh, rounds down range, uh, drops this individual as he's shooting. I, I run around him and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm going around the other side. He, he stops firing and the guy's down. So I go running up as I'm running up. Uh, this guy is still reaching for his gun laying on the ground and the gun's like about a foot away from his hand. Um, and he's actively reaching to try and continue to try and fight us. Um, so able to kick it away. Um, we uh, get him uh, handcuffed. Ambulance is there because they had been staged over at the other, other scene. So they come popping, be bopping over. I mean, they're with, they're there within like maybe a minute to two tops. 
get him loaded up and take him to the uh, the hospital uh, where he succumbs to his injuries. Um, but uh, let me back it up for a second. Um, and this is this is where our stories really start to differ. Um, it, in that moment, um, when we were back at the house, I had loaded slugs into my shotgun. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, when it, we were all safe, clear, CSU was there and everything, our crime scene unit was there, I offload all my slugs and I put my buckshot back in. I don't know why I did that. So when it was go time, it was go time. I grabbed my shotgun, we're clear and everything. Um, and then we get behind this stoop and it's all three of us. And while he's standing at the top of the stoop, I got him. And then as he goes down, there's like wrought iron um, railings that go through there. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have a shot. Uh, you know, if I would have taken a shot, one of those buckshot could have hit that steel and come back and killed one of us. Right. right. And, um, uh, you know, and that was the hardest thing for me is that he's leaned out. He's got a he's got a shot on him. And when this guy turns, I just I'm like, shoot him, shoot him. I'm s- just screaming at him. And for me, the the hardest part of all of that was the fact that I felt like I I failed. I failed Neil. I failed him. All the conversations that we had, all of the talks, you know, like, dude, I got your six. Always, always, bro, I got your six. And in that minute, man, I wasn't there for him. I felt like I put the weight of the world on his shoulders, having to pull the pull that trigger. And um, because I, I mean, like, I, I didn't have the shot. And you know, I recognize the fact that I didn't have it, and I couldn't have taken it because I could have put our lives on the line if I did. And you know, I trust Neil enough to take the shot. But the fact that I, you know, like I just felt like I put it all on him. Like I failed him. Um, and that was what was so, that was the most difficult part of the whole thing for me for days. Was Did, the you most difficult way, part. Did you feel that way, Neil, that he, that he failed you? No. Um, so when, after the shots rang out and we, I put, you know, over seven, well over seven, eight, nine, ten 10 shots into this guy, we run up and Bob grabs me and like kind of pulls me away from the dude. And I remember we kneeled there. We kneeled down and he goes, Hey, is your rifle unsafe? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, and I remember I, I, I put my arm around him and I just prayed. And I was like, thank you, God, that we are okay. And like, I just remember just hugging him. First time we've ever hugged in our partnership. But I mean, it was like the I'll never forget that moment. Like I was just so, I just could not stop thinking. I was like, "Thank God that we're okay, dude. Thank God." I'm, I'm like, he's like, "You're good." I'm like, "I'm good. I'm good, bro. I'm good." Like you know, rifles on safe. I'm I'm good. I'm, yeah. I'm Gucci, bro. Um, yeah. and we go to. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, listen, we go, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. But before we go on break, um. The first hug is always the greatest. And I will tell you from experience. The first cut is the deep. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. And, um, I'm just telling you guys right now, if you don't start your shift and end your shift with a hug, you're doing it wrong. 
because um, that's how Mike got pregnant. Um, <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen, and then we're going to come right back. Want to help the Roll Call Room podcast keep going? Of course you do. Join Patreon and pledge to the show each month. Tiers start at $5 and you can get some pretty cool shit with it, including swag and access to listen to episode clips early. So put that Starbucks coffee down and help my dad keep the show going. Don't be a fucking Steve. Go to rollcallroom.com to pledge today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from break. Mike, um, I did get to that uh, song request that you wanted, so I'm, I'm thank you, thank yeah. you, love that song. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm taking care of you, bud. Um, all right, so you guys, um, you guys have a very intimate uh, hug with each other after this meeting. Um, supervisor shows up, asks why you guys have your clothes off. <laughs> that, was, that was not part of the story. I'm sorry. Um, so I want to talk about, so this guy gets transported. Now comes, now comes the part where the scrutinization comes. Uh, now comes the part where liability comes into play. Decisions start coming into play. Has the department treat you from the beginning being involved in an officer involved shooting do you fear feel fairly um do you feel with your mental health in mind or was it more we got to worry about liability and covering our ass and make sure the eye the, the dots the eyes are dotted and the t's are crossed so that we don't get the shit suit out of us so i know i just threw a lot at you but go ahead neil i i personally never once thought like oh fuck i'm screwed uh like internally okay good i think that bob and i were very confident in what transpired and case law and procedures mm-hmm. and all that that we were we were covered 100 percent, 100 percent. i never once and to this day i never once worried worry about that at all um it was more from leadership definitely mentally the leadership just treating us like the scum of the earth. Mm. That's and what and it started me. It started on scene. Really? That quick? Yeah. yeah. Scrutinizing what the decision that you made was. Why did you do it? Uh, so let me say the, the initial, like, you know, obviously the detectives come out and I, I mean, like, you know, our, our um, union is, you know, Great. We have the attorneys that show up on scene, all that. I mean, that's funny. Not, that is not an issue. I mean, treat us great. Treat us, you know, um, the issues, the issue really came from one of our, we'll just put it a higher high law, if you will, um, who shows up on scene. Steve. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, this, he shows up on scene just eyeing us up and down. Like, mind you, I mean, we've literally been tromping through a freaking river, riverbeds, mud, just through, like, you know, just, you know, we're, we're filthy, you know? Awesome. And he's just eye, eyeballing us up and down, like, I can't believe like you guys look like trash and you know, just doesn't say anything, but just the way he just looks at us is just, it was like, really? Um, not, not at that point, but later, I mean, probably a few months down the road, we, we actually learned from somebody who was there that I guess he walked over and said, well, this doesn't look good. Doesn't look good at all. Yeah. Wow. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds so right. you're not alone. I will say I will say this though. Our chief did show up on scene and came to every all the cruisers. I mean, mind you, I didn't fire a shot, but they still threw me in a cruiser because I was part of the whole thing and um, you know, came up to each one of us and was like, Hey, are you okay? I'm glad you're okay. You know, I mean that, you know, chief was great. That's good. Now Neil you're the shooter. How quickly do you get uh, debriefed, or how quickly does peer support, or whatever type of peer support there is, how how quickly after that do you get services or or get spoken to to deal with what you what just transpired? A few days. Did um, you want it? Did you want it that way, or did you prefer right away? That's the way that they do it, and I'm kind of happy that our department has that in place their that procedure and that, that policy um you for yourself yeah so once we were we were basically split up into different cruisers mm-hmm. i was with my fop attorney he was with his fop attorney and all i wanted to do was talk to him yeah, i remember they- talking to an officer like can i talk to bob and he's like well bob doesn't want to talk to you and i was like the fuck he doesn't what do you mean he doesn't want to talk to me i was like is he okay and he's like well, he's just kind of going through something right now. He'll talk to you about it later. And I'm like, what what, do you, what the fuck do you mean he's going through something right now? We're, we're all going through something. Um, and later, later after we, Bob and I talked, it was, you know, he, like he said earlier, he felt like he put the weight of the. Right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Those of you that are listening to this, you have no idea behind the scenes how many takes that this has taken. Because Bob, Neil, and Mike all have Dixie cup and string cellular service. The only one that has not dropped out of this interview is me. Maybe it's you. No, I'm in a basement. My studio is in a basement. It's like a rape, rape me vault. It's, it's isolated. Do you see this right here? This is to drown out the screaming. And my, and my call has not been dropped. Uh, but folks, we got dropped. Um, and I was saying to, uh, I was saying to Bob, um, it's clear that, that, that uh, he did not put the weight of the world on Neil because he cognizantly thought about the shot that he had. He had the thought process that if he had made that shot, what was going to happen? What, you know, the ricochet, um, the collateral damage that that would have created. Um, so, yeah, yeah uh, Bob. I mean, you you did what we're taught. 
you know, you, you, you shouldn't have any regret or, or feel that, that you failed. I mean, you did what you were taught and good job. Yeah. Good, good job. Both of you. Good job. I mean, the bottom, line, the bottom line is, is, um, the, bo- the bottom line is, is that this is a bad dude. Um, you know, this is, this is somebody that, um, you know, made the decision that they weren't going to go back to jail. This is a felon. Um, and you guys had the ultimate decision. You had to do what you had to do. Um, and especially now, I think people need to listen to the thought process, which is, is that your first initial reaction wasn't, we're we're just going to go hunt this guy. We're going to, we're going to shoot him down. And I think that's what the mantra is right now, especially with what's going on with George Floyd and all that other stuff is, is I think, I think some people have that notion that once we have it in our head that we're searching for somebody, we're automatically ready to take their life. And they don't really understand the thought process uh, and the mental anguish that you go through or the decision making that you go through to make that decision. So um, I'm glad that you guys came on. I'm glad that you guys told your story. Um, And I greatly appreciate it that you did it on this store on this show. Um, I was kind of hoping Mike wouldn't be on the show. You're my boost mobile. Yeah. So how do you guys feel about telling the story now? I feel, I mean, it feels good. We've, 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 we're very open to telling it. I mean, you know, after it happened, we were like, you know, it, it happened for a reason, you know, and, and, and if we could use this as a, you know, opportunity to help somebody else out, that'd be great, you know? And, and, and listen, I, I fully understand that I, I mean, I'm glad that it happened the way that it did and I didn't shoot and, you know, and I've talked to many of other officers that are, have been through the same situation and feel the same way. And it, it kind of takes a toll on you because you feel, you know, and once we had the opportunity to talk and, and, and hash it out, he's like, dude, what are you talking about, man? I'm like, bro, I, I let you down, man. He's like, he's like, dude, I, you're crazy, man. Like you, you have nothing to worry about. Um, and I think that honestly, continuing after that, I, I had actually been through a peer support group, mm-hmm. um, and f- for the department. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, let me, I'm going to use this opportunity and I'm just going to share, like, I, I'm going through it. I'm in the middle of it, but I'm just going to tell people. Mm-hmm. And I think a big thing for me that, um, I, I just wanted to touch on real quick, if, if that's all right with you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, um, I, I, th- I think a big thing for me was so many people, they don't know what to say and they don't know how to, to uh, interact and they don't know how to, um, they don't know what to say. And honestly, I mean, the best thing you can do for somebody, uh, and I, I think Neil would agree with me, is that you just, just be there, uh, you know, just say, hey, man, how you doing? You good? You know, um, it, it, it's appreciated. And if, if, I, if we don't want to, you know, if, you know, you don't want to talk, you don't want to talk. It, it is what it is. But I think a big thing that helped me is don't if I share my story with you and say this is how this is how I felt in it, you know, or you're hearing a story because I, I told it to somebody and I had so many people come and tell me like, oh, man, I heard you were just struggling so much through that and this, that and the other. I was like, I, 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 yeah, I mean, like I had a hard time with it at the moment and I was just sharing how I felt. But. Like, don't come at me like a month later and be like, oh, man, I heard you were struggling so bad. And you're, you know, you were like falling apart at the seams. And I was like, no, I wasn't, man. Like, 
I mean, yeah, it was hard. I mean, it was a hard experience, but it, like, if you're, if you're not reaching out to me or you're, you know, or you're don't go off of what everybody else is, is saying, or cause you know how, you know how everybody acts like they're, you know, a middle school girl and mm-hmm. with paper mills and the, mm-hmm. it's high school. and it's, and it's, and it's, it hurts more than it helps, you know, it's high school. And, and, you know, Mike and I have talked about this multiple times. Uh, we eat our own. That's the big problem in our profession. We eat our own. We are the least supportive with each other. And we'll wear shirts that say thin blue line. I got your six. I love you. And all this other great stuff. But when it comes down to it, man, we eat our own. Go ahead, Neil. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up we eat our own because until Bob and I started listening to this podcast, I mean, I would say that we kind of did the same thing. I mean, but now we're taking a step back. Like we need to like help these dudes. Like instead of talking shit, like we need to talk to them about everything. Um, I just want to touch on for the listeners, like how I felt afterwards, if that's okay. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, mind you, we worked. All right. So, um, I just wanted to talk about how it affected me afterwards, like the day after month, six months, year. So we worked that night from 6 PM to noon. We didn't leave the scene until noon with everything going on and talking to the lawyers and, you know, all that bullshit. Um, and I went home and I'll never forget this. I, when I was sitting with the FOP attorney, all I wanted to do was talk to my wife. I just wanted to tell her that I was okay because she sleeps through a fucking thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. Of course, she was sleeping through every missed call and text that I was sending her. And that was the worst. So I end up getting a hold of her and I tell her what happened. And I was like, hey, me and Bob were in a situation and I had to shoot. And she goes, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. She's like, is Bob okay? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're good. I was like, I don't know when we'll be home, but we'll be home. Mm-hmm. And on the way home from work, I called my mom. And my mom kind of knew what was going on. And the first question she asked me was, was he white or black? She was like petrified for me. Mm-hmm. Because she, like you said earlier, she didn't want another Ferguson mm-hmm. occurring. Yeah. And luckily, this... Uh, dude was white. Um, Do you think the circumstances would have been different if he wasn't? I don't think so. Not with everything that went on. No, mm-hmm. not with the craziness of a call that we were on. Yeah. It wasn't like this was a traffic stop or we just pulled up on a dude and, and, you know, shot him. It, it, no. Um, Isn't it crazy how our family has PTSD from that, from, from our profession? And what happens in the public now, isn't that crazy? Yeah. How our wives and, and parents and loved ones are conditioned to, you know, be like, Oh my God, I hope it's not I hope it's not a black male or a white male or whatever. That's so crazy. It's so, so crazy that our um our family is like that. Um Yeah, it's just crazy, man. Just thinking about it, it's crazy. How how did did you have any residual effects from like nightmares or, or any, any issues sleeping, anything, anything traumatic in the sense that it altered your 
day-to-day life, your attitude towards your wife, your kids? Well, that's funny you say towards the kids because the moment I walked in the door, Mm. I have two boys. The moment I walked in the door, they come around the corner with their Nerf guns and they start and they start uh, blasting dad with the Nerf guns. And I, and I tell this story a lot and, and, you know, Bob knows about it. And at that moment, I, I, I almost broke down. Like I had no idea what to do because dad's home. They want to play. And I'm like, put that damn thing down, dude. Um, so I, I did not have nightmares. I slept like a freaking baby, dude. (laughs) I slept like a baby. I woke up to like 50 or 60 missed calls and text messages. And I'll say this, man, like some of the, the guys and girls in our department are freaking are rock stars. The two, the two officers that introduced us to this podcast. I know you're listening. You guys are freaking heroes. I love both of you. I, you guys are some of the best people I've ever met and worked around. Um, you guys have made Bob and I better people and better police officers. And I appreciate you guys for that. Um, I did not start noticing effects into my mental health until the next day I woke up and I felt like I got hit by a fucking train, dude. Mm-hmm. I felt like, cause you, you know, your roller coaster ride, I was so tense and mm-hmm. I remember asking my wife, I said, Hey babe, I, I don't feel good. Like, can, like, I felt like my heart was beating out of my chest. I mm-hmm. said, can you feel like, I, I think I was having a, probably a panic attack at this, you know, looking back on it. I said, can you feel my chest and like, tell me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're, you're, you're fine. Like, you know, you don't have like a, a crazy heart rate or anything. And I just, I have definitely experienced anxiety mm-hmm. from this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I want to say anxiety cause I haven't been diagnosed with anything, but putting on the uniform and walking up the stairs, mm-hmm. I'm out of breath. And I haven't, I haven't told people about this. Um, that that's kind of gone away gradually as the experiences the incident has kind of, um, been further and further away. I've done like, uh, DMR, I think it's called or RMR or oh, uh, some, I, I forget the acronym. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, ASMR. Yeah. Where like you kind of like relive the event and like different yeah. phases. Yeah. yeah, that has helped out tremendously. I did that with a gentleman uh, from my church. Mm-hmm. And every time I tell the story, I feel super anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I like pause because I can't remember certain things about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like Bob remembers certain things that I don't. And I remember certain things that he does. It, I just I kind of like blank. And like, I don't know. I don't know where to go from there. Yeah. Um yeah, but you shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be, you know, I mean, it, it should bother you, but it really shouldn't. You know, we don't, we took this job for a reason to protect. Um, you know, we don't wake up every morning saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to shoot somebody today. Or, hey, I'm going to get in this situation. So we don't know. I don't know what it's like. You know, Nick doesn't know what it's like to actually be in the situation and have those results. You yeah. know, so you, you, don't, you didn't even know. You know, so how do you react to something that you don't know or something that you're going through? Yeah, Tom. Yeah, you know, I, it's it's funny how our reactions were so totally different. Mine, I I didn't sleep for three days. Shit. I 
every time I closed my eyes, I had nightmare. I just relived it mm-hmm. just constantly. And I think a big part of it for me was I was just like, what should I have done differently? What could I have done differently? You know, I mean, I was still just having those feelings of like just letting him down. And, you know, like I put the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I, if I would have just moved out of cover, I could have, you know, I, you know, I could have been there for him. And it, you know, what's so funny about the whole thing, too, is like, uh, like, you know, you feel bad for the family and, and him and stuff. But in that moment, it's just like I. I wasn't concerned with him, you know, like I was in that, like, Hey man, don't do it, man. Like, just don't do it, please, please don't do this. And, and, you know, and you, you know, he, he made his choice and, you know, we took our actions and, but at at the same time, it's just like, I I think for me, I was just like, what, what should I have done differently? Yeah. Um, I think that's normal though. I think that's normal to, to kind of Monday morning quarterback yourself and, where, what things you could have done differently, but look where you are now. I mean, now, I mean, we talked about this before the interview, which is, is that this is going to reach an enormous amount of people. And I told you there's an officer in my former agency. They were involved in an officer involved shooting. It was two of them. They were in a hallway in an apartment complex. And this officer had a tremendous amount of guilt. Same thing. And it's funny, Bob, because I didn't know your part in before this interview. She felt the same exact thing about the officer that did take the shot. And it's interesting. And when, when, when she hears this, um, you don't know how much that's going to help her. Like, oh, I, hope it does. I mean, if I could, listen, I, I mean, if I could take a minute and talk to her, listen, it's, it, it's a roller coaster ride, you know, and you're going to, you're going to wish that, you know, you, you could have been there for your partner or you could have done things differently, but you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And use it for good. Use it to help somebody else. Because, you know, when the dust settled and, and we were we had kind of moved past it, I mean, Neil and I, I think I mentioned this earlier, we, we had talked about, you know what? It's happened for a reason, man. And, and we, need to, we need to use this to help at least if, if just one person, you know. And it, it, it's, it gets better. It's, it, 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 it seems like it doesn't. Um, but a, a lot of good can come from it, too. I mean, like for me, just... As an example, um, you know, they, they make you go to the mandatory, go talk to the yep. uh, psychologist and whatnot. But while I was talking to this lady, my, my dad had actually died about a year pr- prior from cancer. And um, I had a lot of underlying issues with that, you know, and the fact that the, I, I spent my whole time talking about my dad. I didn't even talk about the shooting, hardly, the whole time, you know. And and, and that's just an example. I, I mean, that. There's always some always good that can that can come out of bad, but you have to you have to realize that there's good is there and that and you have to be willing to see it and to to adjust, you know. Well, and, I, and I'll add on to that. You know, when when I had what happened to me with leaving leaving my agency in the fashion that I did, and I went and started going to therapy and stuff. The first like couple of not first couple, but. I spent a good portion about talking about the officer of mine when I was a sergeant that died of cancer. And that was three years prior. I never talked about that before. I never, ever talked about that. So if it wasn't for what happened with the agency, I'd have never, ever dealt with that. And I held a lot, a lot of depression from that death, like things I thought I could have done differently. And, you know, just so, so much, so much stuff. So, you know, one of the things that I find very therapeutic is doing this podcast. 
And you'll find that when this episode is over, it'll be an extremely therapeutic thing for you. And then when you hear it played after we clip together all 46 parts, <laughs> it'll be therapeutic for you as well. But, you know, I appreciate you guys coming on and trusting, uh, trusting Mike and I with your story. Um, and I think I'm going to have you on again, if you guys want to come on again, because I want to dive into a couple of more, a couple other things that we didn't touch on. Uh, cause theoretically we can really make this episode three hours long because there's still a lot of questions, um, that I want to answer, but Definitely. I never, ever want to end the episode, um, you know, on, on the downside, you know, like I always like to, I always like to end it you know, <laughs> really, really good. So I like to do um, scenarios and, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, I was driving um, to a doctor's appointment today and I said, what I'd like to ask these two guys is, you're driving two to a car and a call for service comes out and it's somebody a maid at a no-tell motel goes in to go clean up the room and there's a travel chest. You know, one of those big fuckers, right? Like the big, big ones, right? And she pops open the, 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 the trunk and she runs out of the room. Now, you two are the first on scene, okay? Hair sticking off at the back of your neck. Spider senses are going on. This is a real legit fucking story. Like, this is legit. Like, this is a real call. You guys go in there, you tactical Tommy, you got your guns low ready. You don't know what the fuck is in there, right? You go in there and you pop open that trunk. And inside of that trunk is one of your captains in a gimp outfit with a dildo shoved up their ass, handcuffed. How about that executive that was at the scene Here's- saying, oh, this is bad? Uh, hold on. <laughs> And we got a couple options here, boys. We got a couple options. Office of discretion comes in. Okay, we do a couple of things. One, we take pictures. There's pictures. Pictures. That's not even. That's not even. That's not even. That's an automatic. Hold on. That's an automatic. Pictures equal, pictures equal promotions later on. Okay. Always remember that. Pictures equal promotions. Okay. That's first. Second, do we unhandcuff him? Either do a little courtesy, pull it out for him, or throw him a napkin and let him pull it out himself? Or for the COVID, you know, we got gloves anyway. And we say to him, hey, listen, bro, I got I to gotta call the watch commander and I got to do a report about this. Or option C, do we throw him a set of keys and we roll the fuck out and we go to Chick-fil-A and we laugh like a motherfucker about this. And we look at the pictures that we took and um, I just got to know which one of the three options are we doing, boys? Option C. (laughs) You throw him the keys and you get out. He got himself into the situation, or he or she got himself into the situation, and they can get themselves out of it. Neil, I want to know if you agree with this. 
Dude, bro, you're you you're less senior than me. You're taking pictures, bro. You're taking <laughs> pictures, and then and that we're clearing no cause for concern, and we're getting fucked up. <laughs> pictures are a given because then what happens is the next fucking work day that this commander is working, you walk in, you're there, just like this. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you just grab your phone and just scroll through pictures and be like. I had a crazy fucking call yesterday. <laughs> Weird. Weird. You know? And then you're hoping that you can get whatever you want. Use that as blackmail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then smell your fingers. Oh. <laughs> all right, I'm the asshole. Okay. Let me a- let me ask you a question, all three of you. Yep. Okay. All right, you ready for this? Yes. All three of you need to answer this. <laughs> Here we go. Would you rather? (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. Would you rather get explosive diarrhea every time you meet your boss, or every time you're around your spouse's parents? Well, I I'll I'll answer first. Is I always had explosive diarrhea after meeting (laughs) my teeth. So, um. Yeah. And I'm unemployed, so. <laughs> Mike? Uh, well, I'm not really speaking to my in-laws. So I would say probably the chief. <laughs> Bob, you want to tackle this one? You've got a disgusted look on your face. I, I, I don't know. I think <laughs> that's, a, that's really... a no-win situation right there. Uh, exactly. I got I to gotta tell you fans that as I was telling my scenario, the look of disgust on these guys was absolutely fucking priceless because they had no idea where I was going with this. Uh, but hey, listen, folks, uh, I want to thank these two for coming on. It's real brave of them for coming on. Um, I want to make sure everybody knows that you can reach me at nick at rollcallroom.com, mike at rollcallroom.com. Go on our website, rollcallroom.com. If you're not, if you are not a Patreon supporter, Please pledge, and it helps keep the show going. We got a lot of cool swag that we give out. Um, we've got some challenge coins that we just commissioned, and we're super excited about having those. Uh, if you have not pre-ordered my uh, my book, a little self promotion. Um, if you have not pre-ordered my book, please do so. Um, it's uh, it's going to be really really good, Mike. Although nobody cares about what you say, is there anything that you would like to close out with? No, pretty much said it all. Me, 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 me. But hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's your show. Yeah. Fellas, thank you again <laughs> for coming on. And I apologize for Mike being absolutely uh, useless on the show. And um, we'll have you on again when we have another co-host. Um, all right, folks. Be good to each other. And um, as always, if you need any help, reach out to bluehelp.org. Mike, why do you have to always embarrass me? I'm such a dick. Always talk about my shit. Oh, are we still on? Shit. <laughs>